Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harshberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharshberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. I am your host, Rye Russell, and we are so excited because we know many of you that are tuning in right now, you've been working on your own supply chain, restructuring it or rebuilding it, and it's great to create a community where we can all network and we can appreciate those trials and tribulations that we all deal with on a daily basis. And so I'm really honored that our next CEO joining us from Harmonic Machine, Nathan Niels. Nathan, thank you so much for making the time for us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Nathan, the first question I ask all of the supply chain and manufacturing CEOs that join us is to share a little bit about your journey, because I'm I'm sure you didn't just wake up one day CEO. And so I would love for you to kind of share that journey with me and the audience. Yeah. So I kind of fell into the machining industry, almost not by choice, you could say. My father was a machinist by trade and had moved into management in his company. And he looked at his you know, sons, me being one of them, and he thought, what a shame they don't even know what machining is about. So he bought a, an old manual lathe, stuck it in our barn, more or less, and said, hey, kids, have fun. So we, we learned it on our own. And we had a knack for steel work and manufacturing and things like that. So, you know, fast forward and along come a few people that want some stuff made, we make it. And we have this little budding business, a business that was wake up at 5 a.m., do a few hours of work, go to high school, <laughs> come home from high school, do a few more hours of work and and keep growing this thing. So amazing. buy a CNC, buy a second CNC. Basically, I was thrown in the deep end, figure out how to run a business, having no business training or experience and sorted it all out on my own, more or less. I mean, good advice by for sure, um, by my father, by the books, the people I have around, good mentors. But that was going on 20 years ago now. So now in my mid thirties, we're around a hundred people, 50 CNCs and have a thriving manufacturing business. That is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. So when your dad brought home this late, like, did you have any idea? Like, what were the projects that you anticipated working on? I I had no idea what a metal lathe was. I, I knew what a wood lathe was. So sure. I'm thinking, you know, hanging on this chisel because we're cutting steel. And it's, <laughs> these are the tools. Okay, well, it's, it. okay, I got it. Yeah, turning the dials, figuring out numbers. Oh, this just makes sense. Yeah, we can we can make anything on this thing. Like, this is precision, right? The, the, the first jobs were actually um, natural gas and propane conversion kits for vehicles. 
So lots of little fittings, you know, hose connections, all the way up to basically built our own carburetor type unit. That was the market and that's what we got our feet wet in, so to speak. Wow. Now, how many siblings did you have uh, that also learned this? So it would have been me and my the brother right underneath me. I okay. mean, there's there's 10 of us. Wow. Old. <laughs> so my youngest sibling is is sort of just out of high school and he's sure. working working with me now, um, doing some awesome. stuff. But now yeah. did you go to university as well? So in up here in Canada, we have an apprenticeship program. So the the schooling is about one or two months every year for four years. So it's on the job training and then a little bit of schooling as well. And were you able to use the family business as the apprenticeship? Yeah, yeah I kind of, uh, <laughs> I didn't really have a full-time mentor, but it, it was enough. And yeah. uh, learn on the job, the way that technology is moving nowadays, totally. the schools are generally behind. So yes. you learn from your industry peers and salespeople and whatever you need to and learn it as you go. That's amazing and very powerful. So thank you so much for sharing that. So you get through the, the apprenticeship, that part of the journey. Now I'm interested, how did you scale this? How did you go from one, two machines to the business that you have now? Yeah. So looking Personally, first, because I mean, as leader, I, th I think it really boils down to the people on top. Um, so not not to be arrogant, but I mean, what I invest in myself plays out through through the shop. And as an encouragement to all other leaders out there, the buck stops with you. Totally. So for myself, a lot of self-education. I've read stacks of books. I started an MBA several years ago to really learn the business side of things. I'm in a couple of peer coaching groups. Um, in the States, you have Vistage. In Canada, we call it tech, same thing. That has helped. And really focusing on creating a culture and environment that allows everybody to thrive. So a good machinist, they know what to do. I don't need to micromanage them. I tell them the end result that we want and, and let them loose, let them use their creativity, empower them in those ways. And really the giving people the authority and the structure around them and the environment to set them up for success really in turn sets the business up for success and it scales. And when you give a desired result or a desired outcome, then those resources, right? That human capital, they'll come back to you and say, Nathan, we don't have the right tool. We don't have, we don't have this, right? Where else we can all be racking our brains on, you know, the perfect way to accomplish this. But if you create that culture and environment for innovation and for creative problem solving, they'll come back and say, look, there's this option. A, if we do it ourselves and we do it with exactly what we have in front of us, there's option B in like, now you can include so many people into the problem solving, I would assume. Yeah, you can. and. And I would go a step further than that on the empowerment, which is probably rare in manufacturing. I'll give them a budget. I'll say, totally. hey, if it's, and for some of the higher up guys, it's like, if it's under 10 grand, don't even ask me. You tell, you need to know that there's going to be a positive ROI. It's going to make your job easier, better. I mean, you have all those answers already. This is kind of how you justify that. If you justify it in your head, let's go. Let's give it a shot. Um, and it's interesting because I found as soon as I did that, 
they were more hesitant to spend money than I was. So before I gave them that empowerment, it would be like, can we buy this tool? Can we buy this tool? And as soon as I said, the decision's yours, you spend the money like it's your own. Then, oh, wait, well, we don't really need it. We could do it this way. Like, Definitely. That's so cool. And I mean, you create a culture around that. I like the productivity I'm sure is there. And if it needs to be quantified, it can probably be quantified. But when you're empowering that, I can only imagine like I'm I'm seeing the employees and the experiences as I hope all of you in the audience can as well, that it once it becomes your money, it becomes real. It's very easy to spend the arbitrary budget that's there. But when those limitations are on you, you really are accountable to yourself because Nathan, as you pointed out, if it's 10,000 or less, and this is obviously a a medium to large size company, some of the smaller plants might not be able to do this yet, but maybe it's a thousand dollars, right? If it's a thousand or less, don't, don't ask us. It's that's got to be extremely powerful. And did you notice that, you know, as a CEO, I'm sure there's a lot of us that's like, that's giving up so much control. You know, how, like, did you always lead that way? Or was there a process where you're like, wait a second, you're seeing the results for yourself? Yeah, it, it all has to tie together. Um, so you you cannot do this exercise if you don't, I would say, like, know, and trust your employees, right? So if, if you don't trust them, you'll be micromanaging them and they'll know, they'll pick up on that. If they're not trustworthy, you shouldn't do this exercise, right? It will end in a disaster. So I would say over the years, we've really focused on building that culture of empowerment, getting the right people in there that match our core values. And the result of that is we can trust them because we can trust them. We can empower them. And it becomes like a feedback loop that just constantly reinforces itself. Um, just as an example, as a story, we, we hired in a machinist and we hooked him up with whatever computer he needed to do. And he's programming. He has this kind of old dungy one little monitor. And I, I walked in there one day and I said, why are you using this tiny little monitor? Why don't you just buy a couple big ones so you can see what you're doing? And he looks at me and he's like, well, I, I can do that. I'm like, yeah, jump on Amazon and buy yourself some monitors. Like you'll, you'll be faster. You'll be better. It's a couple hundred bucks. And right. your output is, you know, whatever each shop rate is per hour times how, whatever your efficiency is immediately pay for itself. And right. I, I could just get the feeling that's not the norm in the industry. Totally. But as soon as I do that, he doesn't buy the most expensive monitors he can. Now he's like, Oh, let me find one that's just good enough. You know, it's economical and boom, we get a good result. I didn't have to do it, but it got done in a way that I would want it to do it. And I mean, I, you can scale a company as far as your brain can allow, and then it's going to stop. And you have to let that stuff go and let other people do it. Because now, you know, I have a hundred brains working instead of one and the, the sky's the limit. That is so powerful. I, Nathan, I hear you speaking to me in decisions I make in, in my own life. And I know there's so many else that you're speaking directly to uh, because it is, we do get in our own way sometimes and, and we overcomplicate what's right in front of us. Yeah. And so looking at all of that and looking at what your business is today, like what are the, what are the types of things that you're really proud of in your business? And what are the types of industries that are coming to you and looking for, for help? Um, 
Okay. So one of the things that I'm, I'm always going to say I'm most proud of is the culture and the environment that we've created. Amazing. We have this little hashtag that we're playing around with. It's called manufacturing culture redefined. And typically manufacturing, at least the perception of manufacturing is that it's dirty, it's boring, it's old. You, you go to work in coveralls, you come home covered in grease. It's not fun. And really we're trying to redefine that. I, I want manufacturing to be not even so much a trade, it's a technology. Manufacturing and especially machining is closer to engineering than it is to plumbing, right? So we are using computers all day long. Everything is computer controlled. It, there's a science behind it. We need, it's a thinking man's trade. It's not a, a doing man's trade. It's more white collar than blue collar, so to speak. Definitely. And getting that perception. So it, it includes everything. Paint your building a nice color. Have good lights. Keep it clean, right? Use maintained equipment. Have your guys presentable. You know, a sharp uniform. All, all that stuff together. People come to work and they just get the vibe. This is positive. It's exciting. We're on the cutting edge. You know, our technology is great. And yeah, half of that is is the mechanical side of it or the machine side of it, the physical aspect. But the other half for us is really the, the people culture. So our set of core values is, you know, positivity, respect for one another, always improving things along those lines. You come to my shop, you don't get to yell at anybody else or you're out. Right. It just doesn't happen. And that, that positivity and that respect just, it's again, it's a positive feedback loop. People come in, they come up to our bar and it just breeds a collaborative environment. It, it breeds, you know, helping people out, problem solving together. You, you'd never let someone, you know, get run over by the bus. Right. And that combination of machines and people combining in a culture that's changing the perception of manufacturing, that is the thing that I'm most proud of, of what we've accomplished so far. That's, thank you. And if you have a culture like that and you're leading like that and, and you're the CEO and you've accepted responsibility that it starts and stops with you, that there's no bus, right? There's, there's, there's no bus. Nobody needs to be afraid or place blame anywhere because it's all about continuous improvement and problem solving. So yeah. I would absolutely, I can totally appreciate why that is the number one thing that you are proud of. And so now what are the types of projects that you're working on and that you have fun working on? Oh, there's all sorts. <laughs> we have fun every day. <laughs> um, internally, one of our pushes over the last year or so has been automation. So we've just actually just bought a couple of robots and put them on the floor and said, guys, awesome. you're smart. Let's figure it out. So we did a self-implementation. It worked out remarkably well. Again, energy up, guys are excited. We have uh, developed, I would say significantly complex hydraulic clamping systems that we use ourselves. As far as I know, no one else uses things like it. And most people that see it are, are kind of blown away by what we've done. I just say, come on guys, hydraulics is really simple. It's pressure, do the math. Right. We can figure stuff out. We're a machine shop. We can make whatever we can think. And so that has really helped us on the automation side and help build the culture because our operators now have easy jobs. They flip a switch, part clamp, part unclamp. No big vices, no you know Allen wrenches, no forgetting to tighten apart. Really just, it's simple. 
so internally that's that's been our where we're putting our energy anyways is, is unique fixturing automating the work holding automating the part loading automating the whole the whole system front to back that's we're, incredible <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's fun it is and, and i mean you're learning something new every day when you're working it like that yeah and I'm pushing and challenging these guys who have been trained as machinists and worked as machinists to start thinking about the whole picture. It's not just the program or how you cut the part. It's what happens to the material before it gets there. What happens to the part after it gets there? How can we make, you know, everybody's lives easier around us, our, our operators, if we're doing robots, you know, how can we poke a that system, idiot proof that system so we can run lights out. We can run as long as we want to without people there. And it's not, it, I want to stress this too. It's never about replacing people. It's right. about empowering and growing people. So your operator that used to just load and unload parts now is running a couple robots, knows how to program and troubleshoot robots. We up their skill set, we up their wage, we up their output. And all in all, everyone's happier. I really appreciate the way you broke that down because I was having a conversation with an entrepreneur yesterday. And they said to me, I'm at this point in our business where I know I need automation. I see it, but my entire team is afraid that once we start to make that shift, they're out. And I said, well, I mean, that's the story that's probably been conducted around all of it. I said, if, if you look at the bigger picture, right? I mean, I, I couldn't explain it as well as you just did, Nathan, but the, the example I gave them was the, the tertiary, the ancillary opportunities that came, the possibilities for the business, the possibilities for vendors around the business, and the infrastructure that all of that requires. But I'm, I, if you don't mind, I'm going to steal that and credit that to you every time I say it, because it was like, that's the right way to look at it. You are empowering, you're increasing efficiency. And you can do all of that while increasing the value of that human position as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then the one link that we haven't touched on is, okay, so we're upgrading skill set. What's our education process around that? Right. I, I think it's common throughout North America. Our trade schools are rare, sparse, and not necessarily up to date. So it's up to us. I believe it's up to us to create our own education and training programs. So we can put someone in at a certain level. If their job becomes redundant or replaced, we have a system to bring them up. We can train them to the next level to increase their skill set. And it's critical for the employee because if they see that career path, they're not scared anymore about right. you know, a better tool. If I become more productive, you know, wages go up. It's just it's normal. And I can see, okay, that robot replaces this part of my job, but now I'm going and doing that work which is more fulfilling, more satisfying, you know, better use of my brain. And I, <laughs> I have that, that tagline. I, I kind of use it to guys like, look, I'm not paying you for your body, right? Mm. I'm paying you for your brain. Like, let's totally. use it. <laughs> totally. Right. Because I, I don't want to say anybody because it's not anybody. It's that wonderful individual that's in front of you. But a body can move a, a component from station to station, but a brain can problem solve. Yeah. 
Incredible. So Nathan, the types of problems that you are solving, I saw a whole bunch of equipment on your website. And so if I'm out here in the industry and I'm building out my supply chain and I'm having these problems, what are the types of problems that I'm coming to you and your team to help me solve? We, we kind of consider ourselves a supply chain solution in the CNC machined world. So parts that are machined, we handle all day long, but we're also a manufacturer. So we go from idea to retail ready. So a lot of our customers, here's the drawings, here's the concepts, and we provide them with a box with the finished product that they then drop ship to their customer or to their distribution system or whatever it is. So we have, of course, machining, but then we have sandblasting, deburring, uh, vibratory tumbling. We have great connections with related businesses in painting and anodizing, powder coating, all sorts of plating, heat treating, all the aftermarket or after post machining processes. And then we have our own supply chains in fasteners and plastics and boxing and packaging, the whole works. We have a entire assembly plant that that's all they're dedicated to is taking primarily our machine stuff, adding everything else they do, sticking it in boxes and, and off we go. So if you have a great idea about, you know, a, a metal component, maybe it's machined or mostly machined. We take that idea and say, go sell this. And that's, that's how we, you know, vertically integrate a bunch of it, but really provide that easy solution to the creators and sales and marketing people out there. That's incredible. And now if, if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm, and I'm looking, are there any minimums that, that you normally request or, or is it like, we want to, we want to look at the solution and, and kind of problem solve from there. It there, it's kind of a both and totally right? come to me with a business proposition that I believe in. Great. Let's go. We, we prototype, but we go through the whole awesome. thing together. Um, we're big in design for manufacturability. We work with our customers on, on ways to cut costs and to keep things economical. But when it really comes to, okay, production work, yeah, we're looking at, you know, in the thousands or at least in the hundreds per month, really repeat recurring work is where we thrive, what we do well Absolutely. at and replacing the offshore supply chains. We found, you know, we can compete with, most Asian countries, depending on the material, because some for some reason, some materials, they're just way cheaper at than others. Right. But you want to reshore your supply chain, come talk to us because we'll be able to compete and, and beat in most cases. And I think that is why we're networking, why so many people are tuned in and joining us, uh, because we're all looking at ways to reduce vulnerabilities in our supply chain. And really bring that supply chain a little bit closer to home. So for those of us that are interested in connecting with you further, Nathan, what's the best way for us to do that? Yeah. I mean, our website has a few emails on there. Email me directly. We work with few enough people that I'm still in touch and, and I'll direct you to the, to the right people in our organization and we'll set up those relationships and, and get them going. Amazing. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your knowledge with everybody in the audience. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. And of course, we're super grateful to all of you. I thank you so much for joining Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. I hope you tune in and join us for the next episode. Be sure to check out our show notes and we'll have all of the links to connect to Nathan directly. So we appreciate the time. We'll see you in the next show.
Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain and would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harshberger or through my website, www.martinharshberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.